fuck Rick Dalton. Fucking clowns. Jesus fuck. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Omcast. My name is Dom. As one half of the Omcast, I'm joined by Tom. Say hello, Tom. Hello. Uh, so this week we conclude our Quentin Tarantino series by reviewing his latest release, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie. And many, many, many other people. Many, 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 many other people. Al Pacino, Luke Perry, um, Damien Lewis, yeah. randomly, playing yeah, Steve McQueen. People. What is, what is he playing Steve McQueen? Whose idea was that? I, anyway. <laughs> uh, right, we, we're off we're off on a tangent already. I apologise. We've just got out of it. It's obviously a very long film because it's Tarantino. Yeah. But what do you think? I, re- I really enjoyed it for the most part. Okay. I know what your issues are going to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think if anyone's listened to any of our previous episodes... You're probably going to have a good guess of what Tom's issues might be. Yeah. So, but, like, in this one, it's difficult to say without getting into spoilers. Yeah. Which we'll probably do just I think we're going to have to, It's not going to be a long spoiler thing, because it's... The the spoilers in it aren't exactly spoilers to speak of too much. Really, I don't know. I've got in, I, okay. In, I think in, we'll agree in a, to... in a way that we'll sort of explain when when we get to it. I think all in all, it's a really really good film. It's a really good film. It's a really fascinating story about like there was this period in Hollywood where all of this stuff that you see in the film is genuinely happening, mm. and it's kind of a point where it's starting to happen a bit now mm. but with a different subset of genres yeah but yeah i thought it was great i okay how about you i loved it yeah i absolutely loved it i i was d- dubious to start the first sort of third of it i was like where are you going with this it's very meandering yeah it's a little bit i'm like i'm enjoying what's happening but it's all a bit it's just cool people driving around in cool cars listening to cool music yeah. i was like this is all really cool but what's the point and now that I've seen the whole thing in its entirety, I completely get what the point is. Mm-hmm. And I think it's brilliant. I think it's just like, fucking genius. Yeah. I think it's brilliant. Um, and I can't really get into the reasons why I think that without spoiling it a little bit, I think. Yeah. Um, but for for the start, I think the main thing with it is that watching Leo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie yes. is just fun. Like They're just good people to hang around with. And you'll watch them all day long yeah, doing and, their thing. And that's the thing. They are supremely watchable. Yeah. Every single person that is in this film, every single person delivers dialogue, every single person that has a presence in this is incredibly watchable. Yeah. And as we, as you would expect from a Tarantino film, even bit parts, yeah. cameo appearances from the gang, yeah. as Tarantino refers to them in the credits, are still great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, people like Kurt Russell just turns up. Yeah, Michael Madsen. Michael Madsen, Zoe Bell. obviously. Obviously Zoe Bell. Like, the, the sort of... But even, like, um, Maya Hawke. Yeah. That was a great little surprise. I didn't realise she was going to be in it. Yeah. Um, because that, Maya Hawke is uh, Uma Thurman's daughter, who was recently in Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. And she looks the fucking spitting image of her mum so much in this one as well. Yeah. Like, he purposely shot her to make her look like Uma back in the, like, Pulp Fiction in days. 1994. Yeah. Um... <laughs> 
Mask, which are about the same age, I think. Yeah, they're about. She's about the age now she was that her mum was when she was in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they like I say they're all just so watchable, and you mm. like there's a moment I think about half an hour or about forty minutes in where it was just everything sort of clicked for me, and I was just like. I'm just having so much fun watching this. Yeah. I'm just enjoying everything that's happening. I think it was some of the stuff where you saw um, Leo DiCaprio's character go to work yeah. and act for a day and you basically just followed him through his day. Yeah. And it was intercut with what was going on with his mate. He <laughs> <Yeah>. was <laughs> and- just fixing his room, like the antenna on the roof. And it's bizarre because it's like... For the longest time, nothing happens, but it's brilliant. Like, yeah, I can't. exactly. <laughs> That's what I really enjoy about this. Yeah. I love the fact that I was just sat there the whole time, completely absorbed by this whole thing. Yeah. And like you say, the word I was looking for is meandering, because it is it is the equivalent of sort of sitting in a kayak and just floating down the river. You're not, you're not really doing that much, no, but, but you're fucking enjoying every minute. You're like everything you're looking at, everything you're hearing, is a really, really fascinating and interesting yeah. experience. And then I think, yeah, the minute it all, when you get to the end and you realise the point that he's made with the whole thing, everything has a takes on a renewed significance. Like now, I'm thinking back on everything else that led up to it, mm. like that scene. Like for, so, there's a big long scene in the middle where it sort of cuts to. Rick Dalton being on this cowboy TV show. Yeah. And it actually goes on for a long time where they're just playing the characters, him and Timothy Olyphant. They're not playing their, the actors. They're playing the characters the actors are playing. And yeah. it's all just shot as if it's a Western. Yeah. But then ha- sort of towards the end of it, Rick forgets one of his lines and it just breaks. Yeah. And it's this whole thing where there are layers and layers and layers of reality versus fiction, reality versus fiction. That's yeah. the whole point of this movie. And... I think that scene, not to spoil anything, but I think that scene is like a microcosm for the whole movie, in a way. Yeah, uh, that's... Because saying about that scene is is tricky for me, because when you're saying about the scene when they're in the, um, the cantina... Yeah. And there's a point, and like you say, when he, when it, when it breaks and he calls out line, and you hear the person in the background. Yeah. The camera doesn't move. No away it doesn't cut away yeah and they just hear the direction in the background and then the camera resets and he delivers the line again all through that point i was like and i think this sort of really sort of puts a pin in the problem that i've got with it okay is that that whole time i was like get back to that performance i want to see that okay i want to see how that pans out and that goes i want to know where this follows on and then it pulls me right out, and I'm like, "Just get back to it, get back to it, get back to so it." So you re- would have rather he made another Western movie with Leo DiCaprio no, 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 no. playing a playing the bounty hunter? No, like it's and that, but that's what I'm saying is that I was I was double invested. Yeah. So I was invested in Leo playing I've forgotten his name playing that other guy. <laughs> but that's and how good that, it is, and that's like, what I mean is how great this film is, and yeah. I was like. Oh shit! I was really, really into that. But, then, but yeah, and then, but then and, you're also and so then you're inv- just like, and now I'm taken back, and I'm like, oh shit! I was really caught up in that. Yeah, and then, but then you go from that to like, there's a scene where Rick then freaks out in his um in his trailer, which is yeah. an amazing scene, and you're totally on board with him now. Yeah, and so then, then it means the next time you watch him act, there's this extra layer of your like, so you're aware that you're watching an actor giving a performance, but you know 
what go like I really hope he nails this take. Yeah. Because if he doesn't, I'm really worried about him because like because you've seen the others. Yeah. So there's so many layers to it. It's oh, honestly, it is the more I think about it, it's fucking genius. It is, it is brilliant. brilliant. It is so good. <laughs> I can't. It is really, really, really great. And it's like from the way that it's. And it kind of eases you in. It does. And that's, and again, and that's exactly what that scene does. Yeah. It eases you in. You think you just, you forget that you're, like you say, you forgot that you were watching Rick Dalton. You were watching the name of wherever the character he was playing. Yeah. And then it switches. Caleb. Yeah, or whatever. And then, and it does a similar thing towards the end of the movie. And the situation they set up, they lull you into a sense of what you you think you know where this is going, mm. and it's not. And I don't want to spoil it, no. but like, yeah. And he does that like expertly, and then just the the final little nail and the way the title comes up at the end, it's just like, oh. mm. it's like it's like kiss your fingers, chef's kiss, chef's chef's kiss. It's brilliant. It's perfect. Um, I'm sure they're gonna be. It's gonna be controversial, and there's gonna be a lot of people who've got issues with it. Yeah, I, um, and I, are you, I'm sure. Yeah, you've got issues. I'm surprised that I haven't seen more. Mm. Well, in fact, before I went in, I was surprised I hadn't seen more. Mm. Coming out of it, I understand why I hadn't seen more. Mm. But at the same time, like that's not to say that I don't have an issue with the film. But at the same time, it's it's done with a different filter this time. Yeah. So. The way that it's, it's it's been very intelligently done. Yeah. Um, let's not get into that bit now. Let's give it. Let's talk about everything else because yeah, there are the the, the cast list of this alone. Hmm. If I bring up IMDb, because as much as I can remember a lot of people in this, readers, you won't believe how many pe just how many people are in this film. It's crazy, isn't it? I hope Leo gets nominated. He deserves it. He definitely deserves it. I think, yeah, he's fucking brilliant. But And Brad, Brad Pitt, I don't know, because Brad Pitt just plays Brad Pitt in this, I think, a little bit. Yeah. But that's kind of the point. Like, the re, like that's the, again, it's another layer of it. The fact that they, there are these, they are probably two of the last movie stars. And they are playing people who are in the movie the industry. The last movie stars, and yeah. they're the And they're the last, they're like, they're these sort of, He's worried that he's over the hill, and they're like, and they're coming to the end of their rope, and they've had long careers, but they're movie stars, like with the you know capital M, which you don't yeah. get anymore. Now you get people who are in franchise movies, and do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's so you do get like the thing is when you look at stuff like Leo, and you look at somebody like Brad, and we're saying these are the last movie stars. For anybody that's argue, making an argument to a point out there about people like who would be, you could argue the case and say Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr. isn't. Because if you can name other films that he's been in outside of the MCU franchise and The Judge since 2008, probably since Kiss It's Bang Bang, hmm. I'll be very, very impressed. Hmm. You know, he's not, he, is, he was the centre point of the Marvel Cinematic Universe up until... Endgame. Yeah, it's like they're the old school. But then when you look yeah. at, like you say, when you look at somebody like Brad Pitt, yeah. who hasn't done a film in a few years, yeah. but still comes out, can still be top billing yeah. on it right away. I think it's like here is like these guys and possibly Tom Cruise because what what they are yeah. they're the because uh, the old school movie star basically signed a contract with a studio and they would make 
X number of movies mm-hmm. for that studio, and each movie would be different. And the only other people who still do that is like Tom Cruise. Yeah, so Tom Cruise's deal with Paramount, and he will make there will be a Tom Cruise movie out every year, whether it's a Mission Impossible movie or not. There's always something for Tom Cruise every year, and that's kind. Of, he's the only one who's still doing that. Everyone else jumps from studio to studio. They have their franchise. Maybe they'll yeah. make some, an independent in between or whatever. Yeah, but that's what they do. And like that's they, and that's what the character of Rick Dalton is meant to be—a throwback mm-hmm. to that. And then they have that extra layer of having Leo DiCaprio be the guy playing him. And it's, just, it's yeah, it's fucking perfect casting, and everyone's clearly having a great time. Yeah, they don't. I, he didn't have as many like there weren't these really long dialogue scenes like he's had I, in his previous ones. Yeah, it didn't. And to be honest, I found that really, really refreshing. Yeah, me too. I think he did the right thing with this and it had the right balance of you spent a long time with one of them and then it mm-hmm. cut away again. And then, because like, and I was never annoyed. I was like, I spent a long time with Brad Pitt and then it cut to Leo DiCaprio. I was like, oh shit, yeah, what's going on with him? Mm-hmm. Like, jump out. Yeah. Like, they're all, I'm like, oh my God, I forgot this is another movie. Can't do it. But they didn't, they always felt of a piece of one another in a, in yeah. a way that he didn't do in Inglorious Bastards, as we discussed. Yeah. And that's the thing. There were there are so many, but also like to talk about the performances. Still, when you say when you say you are watching people not just acting mm. as you would normally see them put in a performance, but they are putting in a performance of a performance. Yeah. And in DiCaprio's case and Timothy Oliphant's case and yeah. stuff like that, you are seeing them acting, acting, yeah, whilst acting. <laughs> And it's and and I say I, and I know that sounds really really silly, but what you're seeing is somebody pretending to act whilst acting, whilst playing somebody in this heightened sense of film. Yeah, I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. It's exactly, that, uh, exactly, and it's really really impressive, and it's and it is a, it is a really good film. I would say there are probably five seconds in every minute that you could cut because there are just and I I always take my hat off to Tarantino for the way that he composes shots and mm. the way that he makes things. But sometimes in this it's there are points when you're like yeah. Yeah, just, I know what you mean. But just I, I think just a little bit, just li- yeah. just shuffle it along a little bit. Um but I feel like yeah, that there are and that's definitely and that's something we've said in the last few movies that yeah. he's had. But there isn't anything as egregious as like the the horse riding scene no, in Django. That's what I mean. There are and like even there are scenes like that where people are just driving around listening to music. But again, it's kind of just cool. But then even that, also like, you're looking at 1960s Hollywood. You're yeah. looking at the heyday, or yeah. as as this film defines, and as this film is all about, it is the heyday of Hollywood. So yeah. it is seeing these iconic things that you would have seen from 60s cinema. Yeah, and like. Seeing uh, well for me, it was it was amazing because I was looking at all the cars. Yeah. Um, but then well, it's just like he's so clever in terms of his, his staging and things. Like there's a, there's a quite a long drawn out like montage sequence where you see all the neon lights turning on. Yeah, and it's set to this piece of music which I, I can't remember exactly what the lyric is, but it's like your time is over. Yeah, something along those lines. I can't remember exactly what the lyric is, but mm-hmm. it's that being repeated as the chorus whilst all these lights in Hollywood are turning on, and we know what night it is. And if you have any sort of knowledge of Hollywood 1969 and what was going on and what happened in that time. Yeah. Which I would say, I that's an interesting point. I don't know how effective it is if you don't know anything about the the real, the reality of it. Yeah. The fact that I know what happened mm-hmm. on that night meant that there was a lot more tension in the end. And, yeah. you, and you were the same. We were all like, 
like that. But if you have no idea what's going to happen, then it, then does it have the same effect? Yeah, and that's that's one thing I'll be quite interested to see mm. is if no, no, I know it's going to sound a bit wankery of me to be like a layman, but so if somebody was to go in, like you say, without understanding who the, a lot of these people are and yeah. a lot of what this stuff was about, yeah, because there's this mix of real people and fictional people. Yeah, obviously there's Rick Dalton and um, Cliff Booth. Yeah. who are no, a great name who were just made up but then there's also people like Sharon Tate and yeah. Roman Polanski and Jay Sebring uh, yeah and all that who were, were real people mm-hmm. who existed and then so the and the lines get blurred between them and that's exactly his point and I fucking oh I love it yeah <laughs> I love it yeah it is fucking great it is really really good it's don't go and see it too late but at the same no. time, Duke. I, I think we. Really... I think we did it about right. I reckon seven o'clock. Yeah. Because now we're out at about ten. If you went out at an eight o'clock showing, you'd be dead by now. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's the thing. So like, oh yeah. So as it is in the UK, um, you know, we went in at seven o'clock. The film started at seven thirty, and it's two hours forty five. We got yeah. Out we were out about 10. ten o'clock. Yeah, we got out and then we got back here. Started recording straight away. Mm-hmm. So it's it's. Yeah, I mean, um, but I also would say it doesn't ever feel like it's outstaying its welcome. No, that's and that was the thing for me. Like to to begin with, I would like I say it took me a minute to settle into it, and but I was aware of how long it was before I started. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? I know that I'm going for like a a ten course meal here. I'm not going for a Burger yeah. King. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, so I was prepared to invest that time, and it, I was rewarded for it because by the time I realised what he was doing at the end, yeah. I was so bought into everybody on screen and their performances and everything we'd seen. I was like, this is brilliant. This is just fucking brilliant. Yeah. I mean, what did you, are there any other issues that you have that, that aren't spoilers? Cause I know, I know what your, some of your issues could be, or but I the, think I know, but I could be wrong. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing It's I mean, I do and I don't with the, that situation, which we'll get into, but I don't really have any more issues outside of that. Like, the performances were great. It was a real throwback to all these films. The way that things were shot and framed are exquisite. If you watch a Tarantino film, then you understand that this guy is a master of of cinema. Mm. You understand that you know the song choices aren't always just going to be something that fits into that point that might have a plucky beat. There's always a meaning to that song being in that place yeah. at that time. And yeah, and and um. I think that sometimes like he uses cover versions of songs that you've heard before, or yeah, and yeah, they're ah, it's awesome. And like you, you'll see, and like he, he turns sort of expected narratives on its head as well. So you would sort of, there's the scene when, spoiler, this mild spoiler, the scene where Bruce Dern, yeah, is in it, yeah, and you're like, okay, that didn't go how I expected it. Nope. Because it's front-loaded in a way that you would expect it to end out in a, in in, in a different yeah. way. but And it's not that it goes exactly the opposite, but it's, it kind of fits and it doesn't. And it's That's and really interesting. That is a that. really interesting sort of point about mm. <laughs> the film itself, is that you sort of it's expected mm. that it's going to go one way, but it goes somewhere else. Yeah. And it frames Brad Pitt's character... As someone totally different to what you had been sort of fed beforehand, and yeah, I love again like Brad Pitt's character is a perfect example of the the ex, you know 
appearances of things and and what they look like on a surface level and then mm-hmm. the actual reality of it fiction yeah. versus so it's like in the fiction of it is he look he's Brad Pitt driving down the road in this amazing car looking like the fucking dog's bollocks yeah. and like, and women are loving him and is and he's in Hollywood in 1969 and it looks amazing in reality that's his boss's car that he's borrowing and he's actually living in a trailer yeah. in the back on the back lot of fucking nowhere and he's like he's actually a fucking loser but the projection is that he's that and that's like exactly. the whole thing everything's a projection everything's a performance everything's a and the film itself is that as well and it's yeah. oh, yeah, and then you look at like, and then again you look at Leo's character, and you think, this is the guy that had everything. Yeah, and that was the biggest star, and then he fucked it up by going into television. Yeah, or no, going into films rather than sticking with television. Yeah, and it's about how that all fell apart in different ways as well, and how he sees himself, and it's sort of addressing the sort of. It's like having a, of, he's having a midlife crisis. Yeah, I mean, he's literally having a midlife crisis, but it's also like questioning like the masculinity sort of side of things from him as well, because mm-hmm. you do. There is the point when he literally cries. Oh, when he, yeah, you become. It's that beautiful line he has, and then he, that's where he gets to me. He goes, he's becoming a little bit more useless every day, and it and he catches himself, and he just and he's like, oh fuck, and it's and it is like quite a sort of profound thought, isn't it? When mm. you get. There's a point when you get to your life and then you start going down that scale and he feels like he's got there. It's like, oh, shit. And he, yeah, and his performance, again, that scene's fucking brilliant. Yeah. With him and the little girl. Um, oh, fuck's sake. I want to go see it again. <laughs> yeah. It is wicked. And and then... God, I'm just trying to sort of pick it apart. Fucking Al Pacino's in this Al Pacino. film. Al Pacino. Al Pacino's in this film and plays such a bizarre version of like he plays like a he's just a producer isn't he he's just a Hollywood producer yeah but he plays like a stereotype of a 1960s film producer but it but it really works yeah if you know what I mean yeah and I, and I know it is a bit sort of circle jerky Hollywood everyone's uh, I'm sure everybody at Sundance was gave it a standing ovation yeah but at the same time I was really bought into it and there's part yeah. of me that the, the sort of the cynic in me is wants to be like Oh, it's just Hollywood in love with itself. But it fucking works. Well, that's the thing. It's Hollywood in love with itself, but it's also is it almost a satire. Yeah. In terms of this is what Hollywood does. This is like the real because us knowing what the reality is, and then comparing that to this and going, yeah, you understand that this is all bullshit, right? That's the point he's making. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like it's a, it's a, on one hand it's a celebration of Hollywood and it's also a fuck you to Hollywood at the same time. Mm-hmm. Only fucking Tarantino can not walk that knife's edge. And had put it off, and he fucking has. Yeah. yeah, it's unbelievable. And I'll be really interested to see like how he does at the award seasons and stuff. Because usually yeah. a film about Hollywood would do well. Yeah. But given the subject matter and the history, I'm not so sure. Yeah, I mean, I think the Tate family did give their blessing. Yes, that's the that was a big thing for me that I wanted to find out. Yeah, so I presume that everybody's going to fawn over it next year. I guess, well, particularly as, like, if Polanski said anything about it, they wouldn't give a shit. No. Well, bollocks. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. And it's, like, the point that we made at the start of the film when we realised it. We were like, huh, this is made by Sony. 
Why is it? Oh, of course, it's made by somebody it's else. Like, oh, yeah, th- uh, that's weird. It doesn't say a Weinstein company anymore. All the other ones we've watched over the last few weeks have had a Weinstein company written at the front. How come it doesn't say Weinstein? Oh, yeah, well, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's that one, it was that three or four second gap at the start of the film when we both looked at each other and went, uh, oh, yeah. It's because usually Sony, like, it, it, it grips me with fear, I'm not going to lie. When I yeah. see that Sony logo come up, I'm like, oh, yeah. shit. Um. But yeah, it it's, is what it is. It is, yeah. And then, yeah, it's and that that's the thing. Like the the plot is pretty small. There isn't much of the plot, really. No. No, and it's it's just the story of a guy struggling in the golden age of Hollywood. Yeah. And his best mate with him. He's trying to keep on the payroll, trying to keep... And then that's something I thought they were going to get into but they never did was the backstory of Brad Pitt's character. Yeah. They hint at it and they never actually explore it. Mm. And that's potentially controversial and weird. But then also, I feel, again, you could apply... That could be another part of the commentary of, you know, your movie hero. Mm. They gloss over the dark parts of their past. Yeah. And I that's mean, what happens to Hollywood. I mean, look at people like bloody Mark Wahlberg. He's yeah. still a he's a Hollywood he's star. Literally a household name. Exactly. Everybody Despite the fact that he's a fucking piece of shit. And it's like, is that the kind of thing that he's making a comment on with Brad Pitt's character and his past? Yeah, but also or, uh, there was I don't know. I can't remember who it is now. And this is really gonna bug me. But there was a basically a the the thing that happened with Brad Pitt's wife in this film. Mm-hmm. Is very, 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 very similar to something that happened in real life. Oh, okay. And I, I'm furious because I can't remember the details. But basically, somebody's wife mm. died whilst out on a boat, never found the body, and then the person got away with it. And it's sort of been tainted ever since. Mm. But that was a point where I was like, okay. Mm. They making a comment on the remember who it is now it's really annoying me but if we find anything we'll put it up on the socials as well yeah um but yeah and then i was like okay that's a really interesting thing and then they do the introduction in almost the same scene they bring bruce lee into the film yeah <laughs> and one thing i would say about that bit is it's really cool to see somebody playing Bruce Lee he, as well as the guy does. The guy like nails it. Whoever the guy, I'm going to look him up because he deserves a shout out because he was fucking awesome. And he was great. But it is, he is a joke. And that's the thing. Like, I get it. Because, and I, and, but one one thing that did get me was that I loved all sort of Bruce Lee's sort of films in the 70s. And this is obviously set before then. This is when he's making Green, Lan- uh, Green, Green Hornet. Green Hornet. Yeah. And, and this is one of the reasons that he went away from Hollywood. Mm-hmm was because people were calling him Kato and taking the mickey out of him. Yeah. And he was becoming a bit of a joke. Mm. And and then so there's a part of me that's like, this is really true to life, but I would have I would have liked them to be a little bit more respectful to him. I guess so, but then like yeah but at I, the same time there you've got one of your own character in the film. Mike Moe, his name is the guy yeah. who plays him. Um but like yeah and but then there are things like I was literally just reading about it just now because I know that Tarantino has made some comment because the original thing is, um, is it Sharon Lee? Shannon Lee? Shannon. Shannon, his daughter, has yeah. sort of come out and said she doesn't like the way her father's portrayed in the film. And 
Tarantino's rebuttal of that, which I just read just now, is basically saying that, look, I've played him off as a bit arrogant, but for I know for a fact that he said the whole thing about he, he could beat up Muhammad Ali. Yeah. He said that. And his wife said it. Yeah. And like it was one of the first autobiographies that ever, or the first biographies I ever read was mm-hmm. his life. That's what Tarantino was saying. It's like I know what he was I got an idea of what he was like. And that's yeah. why I wanted to present him in this way in the movie. And I know it's caricature, and some people would say, oh, you'd never be that arrogant on set or whatever. It's, but it's like, yeah, cool though, isn't it? Yeah, and it, <laughs> and it is cool. And it is on, and it's more of an honorary to Hollywood than yeah. it is to Bruce Lee. But then again, it's that whole thing of because Brad Pitt is Brad Pitt and he's this like larger than life, you know, he's a Hollywood movie star. In, in Hollywood, you can beat up Bruce Lee. Yeah, in Hollywood you can do whatever. Uh, yeah. Exactly. In, Ho- in Hollywood, a middle-aged, like out out of shape, um, like stuntman could beat up Bruce Lee, but only in Hollywood could that happen. Yeah. Because in real life, he'd die, and that's yeah. the, that's the whole point of the movie. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if you've got an issue with it, then you you don't you're not getting what his point is almost in yeah. a way. Like you understand that, like yeah, Bruce Lee is a like a character, but he's a character playing a character in a film like it's yeah, so many exactly. layers to it's, it. it you're getting into the levels and layers again yeah and it is there are there are parts of it and you sort of do buy into it being this backlog of backlog of hollywood and you're like that's a little bit disrespectful but then you remember that you know you're watching this thing about this and this and then the yeah. levels on and on and on and it's by the time you get to the end you're like okay yeah i, I, I kind of get it now yeah but yeah um think i'm kind of at a point where yeah i think we need to talk about what happens yeah so spoiler tag for anyone spoiler 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 spoilers, spoilers, spoilers spoilers yeah i fucking called it did i not call it yeah like half an hour before we went in i fucking said it didn't i yeah oh i can't believe it and it literally never occurred to me until i was having a conversation this week with someone about it so, and then I, it all just clicked in my head what i thought what i thought was going to happen well, what I, well, a theory of what might happen, I guess, is what I came yeah. up with. Which is basically, this is Tarantino's revisionist piece about the Manson murders and the murder of Sharon, Shannon Tate. Sharon. Sharon Tate, sorry. I, Shannon, Shannon, Lee, Sharon Shannon Tate. Yeah, that murder. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is, yeah, revisionist. So he basically, he leads up to the night of her murder and the Manson family. We meet the Manson family. And a lot of it is very true to what actually happened. Mm-hmm. So interestingly, even your thing about when you said about Bruce Dern, that's true. Yeah. There was an old man who ran that old set and yeah. Charles Manson used to send some of his girls in there to have sex with him as a way of like placating him and keeping him off their back whilst yeah. they lived there. And like that was all 100% true. I'm like, fuck. And like so much of it was like spot on. Even the point where... Charles Manson himself comes to the Polanski house. He's looking for someone else who used to live there. Yeah. It was a music producer who he wanted to come and listen to their music. Yeah. And then he said, they send him away. Sorry, he's not, he doesn't work here. He doesn't live here anymore. Yeah. That was like exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and even right up to the very end, I was like, I don't know how this is going to play out. Is this going to be, are they, is he going to show it? Are they going to die? Yeah. Like, so for anyone unfamiliar, basically Charles Manson um, ordered four people to go to the the Polanski home and kill everyone. Yeah. And to make a statement out of it. And 
unfortunately that's what happened yeah but three people ended up doing it and one person died if, if yeah I well there were yeah people went they killed um everyone who was in that house the plansky house that night and then the following night there was more murders yeah um and it became obviously very a big yeah, it's the manson family murders the manson family murders he put he's still in jail for it to this day um i actually prior to going to see this movie because i only had a little passing knowledge of it mm. i went to a podcast that we've been to and we're fans of and i'll recommend it straight away it's called do go on um and they do different topics every week about different things and they do they had an episode on the manson murders and they went into detail about that so it meant that i was quite like freshly familiar with it if you like yeah so as it was happening even the date i knew that it was august and so when they said august 96 and i was like oh shit this is it this is it and like yeah and and he did what i predicted that he might do because thinking about it this week i was like so the last couple of times he's done something historic, you know, historical. Yeah. With the Nazis, he had them kill Hitler, which obviously never happened. But that's yeah. what, like, it was his, like, cinema has the ultimate revenge. And then with the slave owners in Django Unchained, mm. he had the slaves rise up, blow up a plantation house and have their revenge. And it's like this cathartic. So I'm like, is he going to do the same thing with this, even though it's that much closer to home and there are people who are still alive who... Or around, I'm like, is he going to do that, or is he going to be respectful of Shannon Tate and actually show what happened? And then I ask you the questions, like, or is it sh- just showing what happened? Is that exploitative and that like shock value? And that's not a lot. I don't know whether it's okay or not. Yeah, but it that's what he did. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean? So yeah, basically they have um, Cliff. Well, they have Rick confront the the people that turn up to do it. Yeah, they drive off come back yeah because in this in this fictional they... <laughs> world shannon tate lives sharon. next sharon sorry sharon tate lives next door to rick dalton yeah and rick dalton and um cliff boot are having their like last hurrah night out together before he like settles into married life with this italian woman that he just brought back with him yeah and obviously none of that happened none of that was real but then it was like all this horrible shit was happening and then suddenly here comes Rick Dalton stumbling out of his house wearing with a picture of margaritas. Wearing a robe. Wearing a robe, pissed, and he's gonna save the day. And, yeah. and there's and there's Cliff Booth and who's had a had a acid cigarette. Acid dipped <laughs> off his nut trying to feed his dog, having a great time playing with the can opener. <laughs> acid was Oh um, mate. So I hear. Oh so I, I, I know so it was great. I read on the internet. And as it fun. was, yeah, as it was playing out, it was just I realised what it was, and it just it was perfect. Yeah, I loved it. I loved. I was like, oh right, that's it, and it all clicked. And like even and they, every little touch that he put into it was like, okay, so they're like they're the characters that they play. Like the fact that he then got the the flame flower out, which is a callback to right at the beginning of the movie. It's like right, so he's not even himself anymore. He's just Rick Dalton from the movies. You're not a real man. You're just a movie star. Yeah. You're just a cardboard cutout. Yeah. And that's the point of this that you're making is that in Hollywood, a guy can get a, <laughs> a flamethrower and kill him, kill a hippie. And that's the thing, and it's it's that that whole thing that's segmented from the rest of the film because you you're leading up to it in this expectation that you know what's going to happen, mm. and to use that as a framing device is interesting, but as you get back to it when you realize that rick goes out to confront the people the murderers 
and then they move away. He goes back in, and then you don't see him. The next person you see in these shots is his stunt double doing all the action. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then the yeah, stunt he, double he, is finished, and when we get to the point that is raised earlier that he did that whole flamethrower thing himself, he's the one it's who does it. then folded back on itself. Yeah, because the only thing he's able to do is the one thing that he trained to do. Because, yeah, because he that trained be for only... three weeks to use a flamethrower. Because, it, yeah, everything else that he does that's like, in any way dangerous, they make a point of showing that, no, no, that wasn't me, that was Cliff. Yeah. Like, like, there's the bit in, when he's making the movie in, in um, Italy or whatever, and he's jumping over, there's like, Cliff. <laughs> <laughs> a literal text on screen with an arrow. Um, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, that's another layer of it as well, isn't it? Oh, I fucking mm. love it. Um, and then, yeah, they just have this... I love the way they end it. So they have this thing where he's just having a conversation with the next-door neighbour. What's the guy's name? The Oh, Jay Sebring. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he was one of the murder victims that night. Mm. And he's having this conversation with Rhea. He's like, oh, my God, that's crazy. I'm so glad everyone's okay. And then us watching it, it's like, this is, it's like, it's that tinge of sadness because you know that this guy died that night. Mm-hmm. And that's really sad. And then, and then, but then they have this the disembodied voice of Sharon Tate comes over the over the intercom, which is a really it's quite a powerful moment in in such a sweet way. Yeah, and it's quite moving as well. And then, but it's the fact they they start fawning over him because he's a movie star. Yeah, because oh, you were Jake, whatever the name of the character that you played on TV, and I used to joke with her that if she ever wanted to put a bounty on. Him, you should just go next door. So they're not talking to him like he's a real guy. They're talking to him like he's the character they play. Yeah. And again, it comes back. That's the point that he's made. Is like these larger than life heroes don't exist in the real world because if they did, then stuff like this wouldn't happen. But unfortunately, stuff like this did happen. Yeah, and there wasn't a, a, a Rick Dalton there to sweep things and save the day. No, because shit's horrible. And then. Just as having this nice, like, and there are loads of these shots in the movie that I think are really interesting, and I would love to analyze them more. But he has lots of like crane or like almost like floating, mm-hmm. um, yeah, there must be crane shots, I assume, or maybe like a drone or something. I don't know. But he has, yeah, these floating shots where it's like a god's eye view of what's happening, yeah, and it does give that sort of otherworldly, like, you're just watching it's like a fairy tale, and you're just watching a little bit of it. Yeah, and then as they get to the front house and they meet and they hug and all the rest of it, it has the title comes up "Once Upon a Time," in her, and the "Once Upon a Time" is written in like fairy tale, like yeah. over stylized. And it's like, oh, I get it. Once upon a time, that's why it's called "Once Upon a Time" because it's a fairy tale. It can never happen in real life. No, it's imagined, and so is every movie. They're all fairy tales. They're not real, and that's his point. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is what what ha- if it was down to Hollywood. This is how the story would play out. In real life, yeah, it was a lot more. Life is a lot darker, and it's, yeah. and it does feel like a. It, like I get the message, and I do understand the message that we got in Inglorious Bastards, and the message that we got in Django as well, and mm. then with this one as well, it's a little bit. It's not as laboured because it's. It's so well layered and so mm. densely made, that. It's taken like a concept, like you say, from Inglorious Bastards, and it's expanded so much on it. Yeah. That you go, yeah, that was really nice. That was quite sweet. And it was like the redemptive story of the guy, of her being like, do you want to come up for a drink and meet the rest of my friends? Yeah. And you're just like. And the fact that they knew who he was and cared who he was. Yeah. And that meant so much to him. 
and it was like you say, it was nice. It was nice to have but a nice ending. Yeah, on a Tarantino movie, it doesn't exactly. happen very often. No, and it's it's having that nice bit, but at the same time, he had n- like we are so bought into this because we know what happened to Sharon Tate. Yeah, they had no idea, which is why he was like, "What the hell happened yeah. here?" And that, and like, he says it so innocently and so so yeah. much like a child. Oh, and the and he's like he fobs it off to start with. Ah, oh, some hippies broke in. Ah, oh, it's all right. Some hippies broke into the next door neighbor's house. Oh, really? And but we were all watching it, going, "You guys died. <laughs> like this is really like yeah. we're in an alternate dimension right now." Because yeah, <sighs> yeah, and it is one of those sort of almost time travel. Like in other films, it would be the time traveling. Well, Endgame, for example. Yeah. Whilst going back to the same reference I meant earlier. When Tony Stark meets his meets Howard Stark, and they have that conversation, mm. and it's really poignant to Tony, but not to his father, and yeah. it makes a lot more sense to the audience. I think is this. That's why I'm interested to see what people think if they don't know anything about it. Yeah. So I'll be interested to sort of see if I go in with someone who has no idea who Sharon Tate is, mm-hmm. and what the significance of it is. Like, does it still have the same? Do you think it's just a fun movie? Was where they beat up some hippies at the end? Because I feel like the, so much of why it works so well is because it has this this bittersweet, melancholy sort of... It's sweet, but tinged with sadness because you know what really happened. Yeah. And none of that works if you don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm really interested to see how this plays with other people, really. Yeah, and that's... And I think it would be... I, I think it's more understood in America... Yeah, because I lot think more, the Sharon yeah. Tate thing is is a lot more well understood. I think Charles Manson here is a name, yeah, and less of a person, yeah, and is less well known. Well, the fact that they don't even bother spending a lot of time with him, no, they he's, he's in like, he's in one that one scene. scene where he turns up at the house and that's it. Yeah, interestingly um, enough, the chap that played Charles Manson is going to be playing Charles Manson again in the second series of Mindhunter. Okay. So, because there's been a few different, like I think there was a recent version of all. There was a movie called What Charlie Says, mm. with Matt Smith playing him. Oh, okay. Um. So there's been a bit of a, for whatever reason, there's been a renewed interest. Maybe it's because this was coming out. I don't know. Well, I mean that's the problem. Like, one of the things that uh, one of the things that I went in with a bit of a slight prejudice against this film is the um glorification of like, uh, like the glamorization of serial killers. Yeah. Like, because we're very much in there now. We have, and this isn't this isn't to say that anybody's doing bad work. But when you get a podcast that's called My Favorite Murder, yeah, all that sort of stuff, and, like, and there's such and and all the true like true crime um, documentary series, and there's whole networks yeah. in America dedicated to that stuff. Yeah, and people openly yeah. openly say, "Oh, I'm obsessed with serial killers." Yeah. And, oh, I love finding out about all these. But murders. this is, and you're like, well, that's. That's somebody's family, that's somebody's son, that's somebody's daughter. To you is a number. Yeah. And you're that's, fascinated with this person that deserves no attention whatsoever. And that is to me like that's why I, is this is Tarantino saying fuck you to that. Exactly. And that it's the same way that he said fuck you to the slavery stuff and in the same way he said fuck you to the Nazis. It's yeah. like I don't care if you take your uniform off. Yeah. Doesn't sit well with me. And no. the same with Manson's like I'm not gonna make Manson into a character in this and make him charming and cool. Mm-hmm. He's gonna be a fucking footnote because yeah. that's what he should be—the piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And he like obviously he doesn't, he doesn't want to be many times. He's gonna be in it because it's necessary for but him. But like, to be in it. it's not like other than that, that's it. And then when you do meet members of the family, 
and you spend more time with them, they then get br- fucking brutally murdered. Like, like I love yeah. how, again, like the snap to violence in this movie is fucking unbelievable. Yeah. It I goes from naught to ten like so quickly. I did find that really, really, really jarring. Yeah, but at the same time, like. I was like, I understand. Yeah, because it's this righteousness, isn't it? It's the well, no, fuck you, like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, and there were like, the fact that they made a point of having the one character who did have reservations about it run away. Yeah, and they go right. Well, now we know that they're not all completely like mental, but these three, fuck them. They're all committed to this. They are committed to this. They had plenty of opportunity to turn around and walk away, and they fucking didn't. Exactly. Yeah, like, fucking, what's the dog's name? Because he's the best. Brandy. Brandy. Yeah. He steals the movie. Yeah. What a great dog. What a great, really genuinely, happy. what a great performance from that dog. That dog is like, brilliant. <laughs> how well trained he is. I can't remember, I can barely remember the name of anyone in this film other than Sharon Tate and Brandy the dog. Brandy the dog's brilliant. And yeah, he gets to absolutely rip some nasty balls off, which is very satisfying to watch. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. it. It's just and it's that's... just as satisfying as watching the Nazis get you know ripped apart, and it's like watching Hitler get destroyed by a bunch of Jewish soldiers is really satisfying. And watching old school Hollywood destroy these fucking hippies who were there to destroy Hollywood, they were that, and that is kind of what they did. This was the moment. Well, yeah, it was the end of the golden era of Hollywood. Yeah, this was when everything changed, and all the you know everyone. It was the summer of love, and then all the, everyone's the innocence went when yeah. that happened. That was when it was like it was during the period where you know assassinations like John F. Kennedy and Martin Luther King and all that, and then this was another one of those events that just brought everyone crashing back down to earth, kind of thing. Yeah, um, and, and is... this is Tarantino going now. Nah, fuck that. Just, just for yeah. just for the sake. I know that we can't change it, but just for the sake of a movie, let's. What if it didn't happen? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And it's just letting him, letting him have a little fantasy time and us indulging in it for a bit. Yeah. And and that's like I do agree, and it's it's like I say, like I have, and still will stand by the argument that we've had previously. I do think that you know Tarantino does have a fetishization of violence against women, mm. but in this is where I went in, and I was like, I'm genuinely really worried about what they're going to do here. Because knowing the Sharon Tate story mm. and having my opinions of how Tarantino works, I was really, really concerned. Yeah. Genuinely really concerned. But then when what happens, happens, and the absolute brutalization of these murderers, is this point where you're like, yeah, fuck it, go on. Yeah. But at the same time, like there's, there is, there is still a part of me that's, you know, that does wince at the visceral level of violence that we saw. Yeah. But at the same time, you're like, because I don't believe in sort of an eye for an eye, but at the same time, like, there is a point where you're like, these people are willing to murder. Yeah. And they're committed to that, and they are on that path right now. So if they die on that path, that's in their hands. Yeah. And you have this whole, and then you have that whole other layer of the fictionalization of it. Like, mm. you, from the moment they enter Rick's house, you know, none of this happened for real. No. So any of it can be just bollocks if you want it to be. It's like, wouldn't it be great if someone just knocked her fucking teeth out and stopped her from like, hurting anyone yeah. before she did? And then once you're into that zone of thinking, then you kind of let it go. 
and you don't think of them as like well no this isn't you you're reminded it becomes about a cartoon how, yeah you're reminded about how unreal it is and therefore and then you then you just go back into that good guys kicking the bad guys ass and it's yeah. just it's satisfying to watch in the same way yeah. that the avengers beating up thanos is satisfying to watch mm-hmm. but not in a good but then yeah yeah and that and that's the thing and like it works in this and it's like yeah the guy does get his dick bitten off by a dog and the guy does get his leg broken by the, yeah. the cool stunt man and the yeah. girl does get her face smashed in with a can of dog food and the other girl does get savagely like that was yeah. a bit much it's, for me. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, let's think. It's, it's like it was cartoonish, but at the same time, it's I'm poetic like, justice. And I, it's his. Yeah, it's his. That's, I can, that's Tarantino's poetic justice. Is that yeah. because his level of explicit violence and gore is that powerful? Yeah, in his head, and that's the vision that we're seeing. Yeah, and while she might not entirely agree with it, mm. it's his vision that we've just paid to see. Yeah. You're fully aware of what you're going in for. Yeah. So he's, for that, I can't fault him. No, same here. And like I say, like from he's made it. You, we're also acutely aware that this house is full of fake people, and this house is full of real people. And he's made that so clear throughout the whole movie that by the time he gets to that point, you're just willing to accept whatever happens over yeah. here, because you know we've diverged from reality here, and that's yeah. okay. And it's like, and yeah, again, if it's just him and going. This is something that's, you know, he doesn't like and he hates that this is this horrible dark moment of Hollywood history and he's always had it in his head, what if I could go back and change it? Yeah. If I was there that night, what I would have done to stop them sort of thing. That's and exactly that, my point. And that's what film. he that's what he's been able to do in cinema and he's built a whole movie around that idea and it's fucking brilliant. Yeah. So And it is and it's like you say, it's when you say about like this house is fictional and this house is factual. Mm. It's these two paths, these two parallel paths that follow throughout the whole film. And they never really cross. No, not until the very, very end. Right until that last moment where J.C. Breen goes out and speaks to Rick Dalton and says, what happened? And it's that that point when those rails finally come together and you go, yeah, this is what this film's about. Like, it takes up until that last point. Yeah. And you go, all right, I'm into this. Yeah, I'm in on this, and that's why I think it definitely deserves repeat viewings. Yeah, and once because, like you say, all the pieces click in place, and you finally get the whole thing mm-hmm. in the last five minutes. And so that means that yeah, when you go back and watch it, everything has new significance. Everything about, like I say, all these layers that they talk about, Rick's journey, um, Cliff's journey, why they why they're there on the same that night. Um, yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. It's great. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I I'd, like, honestly I'd... I would fairly confidently say this whilst it's not my favourite I think this is probably one of his best films that yeah, he's ever made yeah. oh yeah I, I agree I think I think so as well I at this point in time I can't say that it's my favourite no because that's still Reservoir Dogs but I still I think this is probably the best best made best soundtrack best written like everything in there is so much better, so much more mature than me. But yeah, and I just, I genuinely think it's just one of the most, the best things that he's done because it's com- the combination of stuff like the maturity and depth of something like Jackie Brown and the, the way that the story yeah. is layered in there, but done with the style and panache of something like Pulp Fiction. It does have panache. Yeah. And then 
it's fucking great. But yeah, so I would absolutely, absolutely recommend it. Yeah, and I feel like it's it's a film for Tar- like in terms of Tarantino, I feel like non Tarantino fans will probably get on with it. I yeah. I think non Tarantino films will get onto it until that last scene. Yeah, and then suddenly it gets very Tarantino and they can't yeah. deal with it. Yeah. It's it's it reminds me a bit of um have you ever seen Funny Games? Yeah. So the the remote control scene in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. reminds me a bit of that. And it's it's really, really, really jarring. Mm. But at the same time, I think I would absolutely recommend this to anyone. Oh yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, but again, I would say, well, yeah, if you've got to this point, then you, hopefully you've already seen the movie. Yeah. Um, but I'll, yeah, my thing would be that I'm glad that I had a little bit of extra knowledge about the Sharon Tate thing before I went in. Yeah. Because if I hadn't made an effort to know a little bit more about that, then it wouldn't have had the same impact. Yeah. So I would like to personally thank Jess and the guys that do go on yeah. for preparing that report for me and making it very easy <laughs> for me to digest it as I went yeah. about my daily life. So thank you for that. Literally my favourite podcast. Yep. You guys are awesome. Including ours. Well, I'm, as I'm sat here in our recording studio, I'm looking at a signed poster from you from when you came to the UK yeah. tour. So thank you guys. Um, and thank you for letting me know a little bit about Sharon Tate. If anyone's looking for another podcast, wholly recommend do go on. Um, as for this podcast, yeah, we are now done with Tarantino. So we're moving on to the next thing. And the next thing is going to be really interesting. We're going to talk about It. Oh, fuck it. So we're going to spend the next few weeks actually talking about It. Next week we're going to talk about the... Is it 1990 it came out? I think it's so. 1990 or 1989? Something like that. Something like that. Anyway, the original version of It, which wasn't a movie, it was a two-part um, TV special. TV miniseries. Miniseries, yeah. Um, starring Tim Curry playing Pennywise. You have a yeah history with this. I've never seen it. I've only ever seen the new one. Um, so I'm, we're going to be watching and reviewing that. We'll talk about it next week. I'm already then, very uncomfortable. Yeah, this is why it's interesting. This is why I really want to get into it. Um, so we're going to be talking about that next week. Um, and then we're going to watch the new It and then the, the It Chapter 2 and all that stuff. But that's what we're going to be getting into. So a complete change of pace. Um, it'll be interesting conversation next week. So join us next week to talk about some clowns and scary shit. Tom's looks so uncomfortable already. <laughs> your, your jaws just clenched up thinking about it. I don't like clowns. Because <laughs> I of love this it. Film. But I love it. But you have such a history with it, and I've never seen it. It's gonna be great. This is gonna be a good podcast. I'm really good. I'm looking forward to it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, tune in next week for that. If you have any thoughts about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, or any of the other Tarantino, let us know. Mm-hmm. Um, hit us up. We're on all the different social media things as The Omcast, or you can email us at theomcastpod at gmail.com. Yep. Um, and yeah, thanks for listening, guys. That's it. Thanks for listening. Speak to you next week. Bye. Bye. I want to watch more Justified. I watched one episode of that and went, mm, that was all right. Mm. But now I want to see it. I want to see all of it because I want to see him as a cowboy. Mm. Anyway, um, something, something, swear dick jokes. <laughs>